So we just fry it. How glad we are this morning that we have a risen Christ whose spirit is in our midst. Therefore, Lord, cause our hearts to rejoice and open our hearts and our minds to your voice as we share around your word this morning. This we ask to the praise and glory of God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. For scripture reading this morning, I'd like to turn to 1 Corinthians and chapter 15 and read from verse 20. I beg your pardon. Verse 12. If it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how come some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only, in this life alone, we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. But indeed, Christ has been raised from the dead the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came but through man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Corinth was a city in Greece, and it was one of those cities which you would call perhaps like Cambridge or Oxford here, an academic city. The colleges and intellectuals, lecturers and so forth, continuing day in and day out, disputing different religions and having different idols and gods, as it was in Athens. It was a place of great debate, place of great pride in knowledge. And Paul, you notice, writes two letters, or at least we have at least two letters, which he wrote to Corinth, two lengthy letters, because he had a lot to dispute and to say to the Corinthians. Now Paul, in his letters and in his preaching in his early days, was a very bold man. And in his letters, there are a lot of very bold statements as there are throughout Scripture. But I question if there is much more of a bold statement when he says in this letter 
when he, when he was writing it. These words that um, and if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. That's a bold statement, isn't it? If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. You find out in verse 14. And moreover, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. He's making a statement there and saying, well, if, if there's no resurrection, because someone in Corinth were disputing the resurrection, if there's no resurrection, then what are we about? And to bring it now into today's world, or us here in this church, we might as well say, well, what are we doing here if there is no resurrection, if there is no Christ? If there is no resurrection, Christ has not been raised. And the consequences are that my preaching is useless. And that would lay a great deal of guilt upon my heart if that was true, because I've been preaching now, I don't know, 50, 60 years, I suppose. And all that time, total waste if Christ is not risen. That's a great thing to say, isn't it? And what are you doing here? What was, what was your conversion about? What was your baptism about? All for nothing. And Paul goes on to say later on, he was saying this, well, you know, if Christ is not risen, we have no faith and so on. What, what is our life about? What is, it, what is the end? What is the purpose? What is the destiny of our life if Christ is not raised? So what he's really doing, he's pinpointing the whole of Scripture, the whole of faith and God's creation. Christ died the death upon the cross, all these ministry. He said at the end of the day, well, what is it for? And he really, I feel, when you so read the words, as he's, he's writing there, you've got a very angry Paul. That people could even think such a thing, to even say such a thing, when there were so many witnesses to the resurrection of our Lord. Think of it, your, your faith becomes nothing. And also, it would make Paul, as he states paradoxically here, it makes me a liar. And over 60 years of preaching, if it's about that, makes me a liar. You know, all my life, through all the different experiences of my life, are channeled through my testimony in Christ that He has been raised from the dead. And I always think it's a lovely thing when Easter morning is in endowed with sunshine because that's what it is today it's not looking at the negative but looking at the positive and saying Christ is risen hallelujah Christ hadn't been risen you wouldn't have been forgiven your sins we will still be in sin but Christ has risen and sealed that promise 
of forgiveness through his death upon the cross. Christ is risen. And there were so many witnesses to that occasion on that morning. That morning in itself, you know, was not a time filled with laughter and joy at that moment. Because it, it, when you read the stories of the resurrection itself, it's, it's riddled with confusion, with trauma. It, well, the dead did not rise in that sense. Well, suddenly the, the women have come back. Peter and John rush off to the tomb to see what the women have seen and testify to that Christ has risen, the body is gone. And I think Peter and John have said, we've got to go and see for ourselves without listening to the testimony of the women. And they go and find, just as the women had said, an empty tomb. And they come back and, and they, they tell the other disciples that Christ is risen. I, I don't get, get the moment of great elation and standing. I think, first of all, there is the confusion. Is this real? What are you telling us? So, you know, news comes sometimes like that when it hits you. As they begin to realize more and more the truth of what has happened. And as Jesus begins to appear to disciples and various other people, they begin to realize this is true. And then you have a real rapturous of joy in their hearts. Christ is risen, it's a reality. Of course, in those early days of the early church and so forth, there were many appearances of Christ. Many people saw the risen Lord, and I'm sure many more that aren't written in scripture. We are told of a case when above 500 people witnessed the risen Christ's appearances. It appeared to this one and that one here and there. And one of the lovely stories about his appearances, I often think, is the story in Luke chapter 24 of the road to Emmaus. Because that, to me, is a very human experience. Here are two of the example of those who met in the upper room and those who were gathered together when Jesus appeared. But they confused, and these two were obviously not of the twelve. But I say they walked towards Emmaus at the end of this tumultuous day. In their minds are still spinning, you know, what's happened today? And they are joined, of course, by the third person. And they begin to talk to this third person and, and say, you know, have you not heard of the things that have been happening in Jerusalem today? And they say that the, the Messiah has, has risen, he's come, he's died, he, he's arisen, he's a, he who was dead is alive again. And they begin to talk. And the third person turns to them and says, you know, all your slow heart, slow to believe all the things that the prophet, prophets have testified to you. Slow of heart to believe. And you remember that occasion as they come in, they, they invite this third person into their house, just have a little meal with them at the end of the day. They've been a long walk to a mate. And they go in and they break bread. They take a piece of bread and they eat it with the third person and they drink a cup of wine. And suddenly something dawns on them. 
something awakens in their soul. And he disappears. He's gone. What a miracle that was. I think Charles, John Rosary, rather, expressed that thought that went through their minds when they said, after he disappeared, did not our hearts burn within us? And John Wesley said that as his conversion did he said, I felt as though my heart did burn within when he knew the facts and experience of the new birth for himself. Did not our hearts burn within us? Something has happened for that resurrection taking place. How many other people, I wonder, have seen the Christ? A vision. People have, you know. I haven't. But I remember the first occasion when I heard about somebody experienced something like this was a, a lady, very quiet person. She was, I suppose, at that time in her early 40s, something like that. She came to know the Lord in rather a quiet way, I suppose, but a remarkable way too. Some years ago, back in the I think 1970s mostly, my wife and I, we were sent to plant a church on a London Overspill uh, estate in Wellingborough. And after I'd been there for three or four years, and we were building this church, I also helped to preach in one or two of the rural churches in the area. And one of them was at a place called Oisham, which between Wellingborough and Catherine. And it was a little village church, it belonged to our denomination, and uh, there were just a few folk and struggling. And so what we did, we linked that little church to the one we were building at that time. So it became almost like we are now united. And I used to minister quite regularly. And uh, I used, on occasions, I used to go and visit around the village of Aisham, knocking on doors and so forth. And I discovered a little technique which was useful because at that particular time, the Jehovah's Witnesses uh, were really prominent, certainly in that area. And what I used to do, I used to follow them around. When I heard that they were in a certain place, after they'd been a day or a couple of days after, I would go around afterwards. And you'd be surprised how the response I used to get because they said, oh, well, of course we had it. You always wonder, what do you believe about that? What were they saying? So forth. And they threw the door open. And it was the case then of this lady, Barbara. I knocked on our door, she wasn't part of the church or anything like that, I knocked on our door, she invited me in. And with her son and her husband, we sat down and had a cup of coffee and talked. And uh, she started asking questions, you know, she said, well, what the Jehovah's Witnesses are concerned about God and Jesus Christ. What was it all about? And just simply, I told her what it was all about. <coughs> of, of Christ dying for our sins having salvation, having a new birth and so And she listened intently. And that morning, she gave her heart to the Lord. Just like that. Very quietly and so forth. And I remember crying with her and her husband and so forth. 
not so sure that I made any decision, but Father did at that time. And so, every so often when I was in Aisham, I'd just call on and see how she was getting on and so forth. And it was on one occasion when I went, and she said, can I tell you something rather special? I said, of course you can. She said, well, I haven't told anybody else, not even my husband. But she said, I have had a remarkable experience. Now, there are certain people who are very charismatic in their spirit and so forth, you know, who always seem to have visions and miracles and so forth, but this was not like her. Very quiet person. Well, she said, I went into my bedroom, she said, just to tidy up and so forth. He said, and suddenly the whole bedroom was a blaze of light. She says, and I saw a figure of the call. Didn't speak, no sound, but saw this vision. She said, I can't quite describe it in detail, but she said it was something very special. She said, my whole body seemed to tremble with it and warm to it. And then it was gone. <coughs> and she says, I believe it was the Lord giving me assurance of my faith. It's a quiet experience, but it was a, a today visit of the Lord, the risen Christ. And I'm sure many of you will be able to tell a similar story, but perhaps not of yourself, but the stories of other people who've had such experiences. I think this happens all over the world from time to time. I really ought to ask Janet to come and tell her the next bit because she knows more details about it than I do. But we have a next door neighbour who, um, she died about uh, three years ago now. She was in her 90s. She made no confession of being a Christian. She never talked about the things of God, anything like that. But Janet was talking to her, I think, on her doorstep one day. And uh, she told Janet, that she would feel very down in the dumps. And uh, I don't know whether something had gone wrong in the family with her or not. But apparently she said, and Janet might correct me on this, I can't say it word for word, but something like, she said, you know, God, you don't care. You don't care. And then suddenly she saw something in the room in the corner and she heard a voice say to her, but I do care. I do care. She's, and she said, I think it's out to church, she's told nobody else about that. Now, she's not a woman given to going to church, to prayer, or anything. But I think it shook her. She said, God, you don't care about my circumstances, probably. And God said to her, in this vision, that I do care. Now, we don't need visions and such experiences to know that we serve the risen Christ. We know the living Christ because he is part of a whole living, our whole being. It was very necessary for Christ to rise from the dead. In Romans chapter 4 and in verse uh, 25 we have these words. He was delivered over to death for our sins, and he was raised to life for our justification. Amen. If our 
Christian experience finished at the cross, we were still then as if we were. Our sins may have been forgiven, but what from there? We, we wouldn't be talking today about eternal life. We wouldn't really be talking about a new birth. But he was raised for our justification. In other words, he died. He completed the work of salvation by raising from the dead. He set the seal upon our deliverance. He is raised for our justification. It completed it. That was the completion of the work of salvation. The resurrection of Christ. Sealed for you and I. And just one other little passage or verse of scripture I want to bring you. Well, you've already been brought it because Carol read it right at the beginning of the service and it was on the screen. These words. Praise be to the God, praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. It is reserved in heaven for you. I think they're tremendous words. My father became a, a Christian very late in life. But I remember him telling me that he came across those words in the Epistle of Peter, chapter 1, verse 3. He came across them and they meant so much to him. He read them over and over again. And I've always been planted within my mind as well. Because when I think of him and I think of his first scripture. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance. It's inheritance bequeathed to you and me. And the great thing about it is but it can never perish. You know, inheritance in the earthly style can perish, but this inheritance never perishes. And neither does it fade away. And neither does it tarnish or spoil. It's reserved. And through the resurrection, Christ who sits at the right hand of the Father has made a place for you. What did Jesus say before his death? Let your heart not be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me. For in my house there are many mansions. And I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there ye may be also. Or inheritance. Nobody can take it away. Nothing can spoil it. It's reserved in heaven for you and for me. And that, on a resurrection morning, is something we can rejoice in because it was through that resurrection that our promise is fulfilled. It's not a question that Christ has been risen from the dead. It's the fact that Christ is risen from the dead. Amen. Amen.